and this is Lindy Kaiser, Senior Editor of ClearanceJobs.com. Welcome to this episode of ClearCast. Today, we're joined by Maggie Feldman-Pilch. She's the Managing Director of Unicorn Strategies and the founder of the NatSet Girl Squad. NatSet Girl Squad is a professional development and advisory organization committed to increasing competent diversity in national security and defense careers. Maggie joined me to talk about her company and how they're helping advance women in national security positions. Learn more about their upcoming conference and a new survey they recently launched. Thank you, Maggie, so much for taking the time to chat with me. I've just gotten to know NatSet Girl Squad over the past couple of months, and Clearance Jobs is really excited to be a media sponsor for your upcoming conference. We really kind of just want to take this time to introduce you and NatSet Girl Squad to the Clearance Jobs community of about 1,500 defense industry employers and hundreds of thousands of cleared job seekers who are working in the national security space. So just walk me through NatSet Girl Squad, who you are, how you came to be, and why you saw the need for a professional organization that's dedicated to women pursuing national security careers. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me and giving me the chance to kind of start from the beginning and and give the basics. NatSet Girl Squad is part social movement, it is part professional development organization, and part consulting and contracting company. But everything we do is focused on building and supporting competent diversity in national security and defense. So as you can probably guess from our name, we certainly focus a great deal on programming and services related to women in the field, but membership and our events, our conference, everything we do is really truly open to anybody who recognizes like we do that at the core of every national security challenge, at the core of every national security problem is really a people problem, right? Like you can't know everything about everything, but you can hope and trust, maybe even know that the right people are in the room. If you don't have that, you're really in trouble, right? So for us, we think about national security that that at the core of every challenge, it's really about diversity and competent diversity. Everything, like I said, about NATSEC Girl Squad, everything we do is really focused on building and supporting and competent diversity. So we have a professional development community of about 20,000 people um, that we engage with on a monthly basis that does everything from what maybe some people would consider like your traditional union to professional development opportunities. And the way that we think about our work is really focusing on three key areas. So the first is building expertise. The second is building confidence in that expertise. And for us, that means not only helping the people in our community to recognize that they are experts, but also to help other people recognize the people in our community as experts, right? We know that women and anybody who is not what I lovingly refer to as PMS, so pale, male, and stale, uh, we are less likely to A, raise our hands and say, hey, I'm an expert, and B, if we do raise our hands, have people believe our expertise. We also look at ways that we can build kind of institutional, sustainable, repeatable change within the U.S. government, within mission-driven businesses. I think while we might be new to a lot of the clearance jobs community, we may have been lurking in the background and they just didn't know it yet. And your mission statement, you kind of alluded to this here, but it has a line that I love. We believe every national security challenge, threat, and opportunity is, at its core, a human capital issue. To be soft on diversity is to be soft on defense, full stop. So I love that because, I mean, obviously clearance jobs were dedicated to, you know, pairing, you know, defense employers and the government with national security professionals, but also because it echoes what AFSIA and INSA, Intel Summit, if you attend all these conferences, every intelligence community and military leader says people are their most valuable resource. Hiring is our number one challenge. 
Um, but that obviously leads to an important question. Do you think that those leaders truly believe that? Or is it just a good line when they're speaking to a crowd and kind of how does that mani manifest itself it's in the mission of what you're trying to accomplish? No, I think that's a really great question. So I'm an optimist and I'm going to say that I think people who say that mean it. I think the disconnect comes in, okay, what do we do with that, right? Not that Girl Squad, I'm building the thing that I need for myself, right? Like, I'm a young woman in this field, and when I first started, and even some days now, I don't necessarily know what I'm doing, or where I'm trying to go, or even what's out there. So I started reaching out to other people for advice, for input, for guidance, and found that that nobody had all of the answers, which is fine, but everybody had some of the answers, and even more importantly, all of us had some of the same questions. So we sort of started building this informal network that grew and grew and grew. And I think it's great to hear and see so many important leaders saying like, yes, human capital management, human capital, people problem, hiring is the challenge. And you heard me laugh. Sometimes when I hear that, it makes me a little crazy, right? Because we always hear like, oh, we can't find the talent. There aren't enough women interested. There aren't enough people of color interested. And I'm like, really? Because my inbox is really telling me a different story, right? So I think that traditional systems are going to give us traditional outcomes. And that's not the way the world is anymore. So the, the systems and institutions and processes we were relying on before I'm not saying we need to burn them all to the ground, but perhaps if we keep using the same ideas that were molded and shaped and made successful by kind of the existing systems that have given us current challenges, we're probably not going to be able to solve those challenges, right? I do believe that people mean what they say, or at least they want to. I think the biggest challenge really is, is what do you do about it? And that's that Girl Squad is less focused on kind of thought leadership and more focused on, okay, what is your problem and how do we solve it? And I, I mean, I love a good listserv. I'm sad that listservs went away. I'm dating myself. Where's the listserv for this organization? Like, oh, so yeah, our like, listserv still exists, and it's Good. free. Yes, our listserv is uh, is quite busy, I must say, right? And I think that's a really important point because some people know us from social media, and sure, there's a social media element of what we do, but less than 20%, about 17 to 18% of our community uses social media, right? Like. If you're in the intelligence community, if you're in the military, things like that, like Twitter's probably not your best friend, right? You're not putting your whole life out on Instagram. So trying to connect with people that way is not useful. And so listservs matter to us. Another really important way that we share information, and, and this is funny, I guess, is leaflets in women's bathrooms at federal agencies. <laughs> it's a huge way that we communicate with each other. So I'm a fan of the listserv. Keep the listservs going. It's, it's, and then, like I say, it brings up a good point. Yeah, in the national security space, not everybody, you know, is engaged on social media. I mean, we, you attend briefings dedicated to all the reasons why you shouldn't engage on social media. Exactly. So it's always hard when you're making that case for it. Now, you kind of have addressed the two points. And these, there's the two tension points that I definitely see that clearance jobs. Like, there's the attraction piece. And I do, I do like to give the government credit. I think... They are attempting, or at least trying to attempt to, at least at face value, attract a diverse workforce. Yeah. You know, that takes a lot of different things. There's different inherent issues in the application process and all that. But the retention piece is a big challenge that I see. And it's also what you see is that the issue, you know, within diversity numbers is that there's a drop off and a disconnect. Absolutely. So kind of how does, what you know, what's your approach to that piece of it too? You know, we want to attract people to this workforce, but we also want to make sure that they feel like they can stay 
which can be more challenging to diverse groups than than your as you say, your PMSers? Yeah, no, a great question. And so whenever somebody comes to us and whether that is a mission-driven business or, or a federal agency or department or even nonprofits that are in this space come to us and like, we have a hiring problem. I'm like, you don't have a hiring problem. You have a retention problem, right? So again, like this non-PMS people, we tend to rely on this kind of hybrid network of personal and professional, right? So your friends are the people you go to when you're having a challenge at work, when you're trying to feel out, think about what you want to do. If you have similar professional interests as someone in your network and they're really loving their job, you're going to reach out to them and be like, hey, do you think I should hop over to where you are, right? So if you're keeping the, the people you have happy, if you are supporting them, are you, if you are enabling them to define success for themselves and let that definition evolve and actually achieve it multiple times, right? Like self-actualization, your hiring problem takes care of itself. So you're totally right. This is not really an attraction problem. This is a, a staying problem. And that's not to say that there aren't some real serious problems with things like the application process. And for example, I mean, I, I had a meeting last week where someone said to me, well, yeah, but you know that the most commonly used HR software really prefers this one kind of font over all other fonts, and it really only reads .docs rather than PDFs. And by that, I mean if you send a resume through without that specific font in that format file, it won't read it as well, and you won't pick up all the keywords. And I was just like, oh, that makes me want to cry in a corner. Um, that's not a good thing to hear, right? So we've got issues like that. We've got issues with the security clearance process, a lot of misinformation, a lot of disinformation, even some malinformation. Those are real challenges and problems that we need to address, and we're certainly working on them. But the retention problem is really at the core, right? Like I said, if you can't keep people, don't bother hiring them. Again, when people come to us and want to work with us, we don't just, you know, endorse every employer, right? Like I care about our members. Our members care about each other. I, like I said, I, I started Not Sick Girl Squad because I was trying to build the thing I needed for myself. Even now, pretty much whenever somebody joins the listserv or joins as a dues-paying member, I make an index card of them, right? Talk about data security. Um, but these are people I know. These are people I care about. And I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, go over to Employer X, even though I don't know anything about them, right? We're really in the business of asking people what they need. Because in my experience, the best people to tell you what's wrong is the people involved in the situation. So sometimes people ask me like, well, how do you know, you know, that that recognizing things like women of color are more likely to not just be supporting their immediate family, but their extended family. And so things like the government shutdown is a, is a much bigger deal statistically for them. And therefore, seeing so many government shutdowns and the length of them will likely encourage many of them to think about jobs outside of the federal government and either leave where they are or not apply. I'm like, I don't know, because I asked a bunch of them. <laughs> God forbid. And so one of the things we're actually working on right now in partnership with one of our teaming partners, Guidehouse, is a survey, an IRB-approved survey. We're working with a wonderful academic out of the University of Alabama and just asking people in the community to kind of self-report, hey, what are your challenges getting in the field? What are your challenges if you're in? If you chose to leave, why did you choose to leave? And just having that information that, frankly, like, we sort of know informally because we are constantly in communication with people, but having it in a more accessible platform. So going back to your original question, like, yeah, it, this is a retention challenge. And in my experience, the best way to retain people is to ask them what they need and to not shy away from things that maybe traditionally didn't have a place in your work life. By that, I mean things like 
we get a lot of questions relating to what do I wear to work? Because we have a bunch of women working in a male dominated field and they don't feel comfortable asking that or having that conversation at work, even with their colleagues and coworkers, because they don't want to be taken less seriously. I'm not interested in that, right? I'm, I'm not interested in, in people not getting what they need because they're afraid of what other people will think. So we have a partnership with the wonderful brand MM LeFleur. They're a, a women's clothing company. They make clothing for women in the professional space and it's all machine washable. <laughs> so uh, we have a lot of conversations with them. We make Their stylists are available to our members 24-7, 365. It's really incredible. So again, like I think, yes, it's a retention problem. And if you just ask people what they need, they'll get you 60 to 80% of the way there. I think it's good to take those, you know, yeah, it seems like a, a taboo topic or even an inappropriate topic to mention, but attire matters. You know, I mean, I worked at the Pentagon for a number of years and there's certainly a, a, a certain uniform there. And I, I will kind of say with some bias that I think it's a lot more difficult to navigate as a woman Absolutely. what that looks like. I always get these like, you know, conference invites and things and they say business casual. I'm oh, always God. like, business casual, so easy if you're a guy. So easy right. if you're like a guy. You, that, no, that khakis and a polo. To me. Khakis right. and a polo. But for a woman, I'm like, business casual, does that, I mean, like. So not a pantsuit, but like right. slacks and a blouse still or? No, and, and this is a really good point. I'm not wearing khakis and a polo. I mean, that's right. I would, like, do I even own khakis or a polo? No. And like, of course, people listening to this podcast can't see me. But for those that have either heard me talk before or met me or been to the website or on the website right now, one of the things I'm known for is that my hair is quite purple with some high and low lights of pink. So people are like, what is happening here? Right? Like, I don't look like what they've decided it means to be successful in this field looks like. And so I think that not only makes some people a little bit uncomfortable, but it also creates a space to have a conversation about like, hey, I'm briefing, I'm the daily briefer, I'm whatever, like what do I wear? Hey, I'm pregnant and I don't want my employer to know, I do want them to know, and that's again a whole other conversation, all of these things, right? Like there is no shame in asking what you can do or how you can be your best self to be the best version of yourself at work and do the best job, right? Like these jobs are, are serious. Like these careers matter. The work we do matters and has real impact. And I really think it is not like Girl Squad's job and mission to enable and empower people to be their best selves so that they can do their best work. And if that means having conversations about what you're wearing and, and all of those things, then great, that's what we're doing. You mentioned the survey. I think that's a great way to kind of build some data around those conversations yeah. that you're having. What are some of the things you're hoping to accomplish with that? Like what doors you hope it opens, what conversation you hope it starts, and why should people listening take it? Why do they have a best yeah. interest in taking the time to take the survey? So the survey's quick. I mean, well, it's as quick as you want it to be, right? Like I, I've taken it, um, you know, when we were piloting it and you can do it in less than five minutes if you want to. So like I said, it's IRB approved. It is anonymous. It is secure. It is obviously voluntary. And it's really a starting point for us. Again, as I've mentioned, like we are in touch with an enormous number of people all the time. And whether those are individuals or groups of individuals, there's a lot of information that we know and we're looking to start formalizing it in a way and saying like, hey, this is something we can point to. This survey is really just a starting point. It is a general jumping off point to say, hey, people who identify is in national security, in defense, in intelligence, even in foreign policy. Here are challenges we are having. Again, as I mentioned, we're working with a wonderful academic, Natalie Todak, out of University of Alabama, whose research focuses on women in law enforcement and federal law enforcement. So this survey is modeled after similar work 
in that space. I think, as you mentioned, you know, at, at a lot of conferences, we're really having this conversation about human capital, human capital management, talent acquisition, et cetera. And the, the challenge for many, particularly in US government, is how do we get those people, right? The challenges in the hiring, the, the challenges in the retention. And as I've said, there's a lot of information that I, we, NATSEC Girl Squad know, and it is useful and actionable. And having some data, even just descriptive statistics, like we have X number of respondents who are civilian U.S. government employees in the intelligence field, and they list one, two, and three things as their biggest challenges once they're in the door. That's really helpful for agencies and contractors to know. Not only is that information sharing important to us, it will also absolutely inform our programming going forward in the short and long term. We're in the process of really doing more work to partner directly, you know, obviously to, to do more contract work with the U.S. government and to be able to provide them with some of our strategic advisory services and things like that. We're looking at building a micro-credential. We're looking at ongoing professional development that can be taken in person on an app online. So this data will start to inform that process as well. At the end, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, we have our annual conference coming up December 11th and 12th right here in D.C., and I hope so many of our listeners are going to come and see. It's going to be great. It's what I imagine summer camp in national security would have been like. I never went to a summer camp, really, so I can't say that with complete confidence, but we have speakers from U.S. government, from industry from the nonprofit sector, from academia. We have employers from all of those places kind of all coming together for a two-day event to look at here are the challenges our country is facing, here are the skills we need to confront those challenges, here are some opportunities to build those skills. All the while, there will be recruiters abounding um, to help you get a job to use those skills to fix the world. And so we'll be releasing a summary of the survey, a summary of the results, at the conference, we'll be doing a working group there as well. And then in early 2020, we will release a full report and that will be free and accessible to the general public because while the data will not be, obviously the results will be, because we want this information to be useful to anyone who needs to use it. We do not have a monopoly on saving the world, I like to say, and nor do we want one. I have to say, you know, we have attended a lot of conferences at Clearance Jobs, and your speaker lineup is impressive. Thank you. Um, and I love that about what you're doing because I think it's easy. There are, it's kind of like military support organizations. There are a plethora of organizations out there doing different things in the government space. So it's easy to kind of not be able to see what's in front of you. But when you present people with a lineup of great, impressive, you know, speakers and a diverse lineup of speakers, I think that kind of speaks to what you're about and, you know, what you're hoping to accomplish and, and what you can accomplish through your organization. So I definitely, yeah, encourage people to to check out who they can hear from and it makes a good case for attending. No, and, and I appreciate that. I mean, it's something we've put a lot of time and energy and effort into and saying, like, these are issues that we want to talk about. But more than that, like, two days is a long time. And so whether you can come for two days or, or an hour, the idea is that you're going to come in, maybe you have an idea of what you want to do with your life, maybe you're doing what you think you want to do, maybe you want to recalibrate, maybe you want to be better at your job, whatever. You're going to come in kind of at point A, and rather than helping you think through, okay, here's what I want to do next, we don't want to just help you think about it. We would like for everyone to leave having thought about what they'd like to do next and done steps one through three so that they're really on a springboard, right? We don't want to leave people hanging. There's a resume book for people to submit 
to and that employers can get access to. There's an exhibition space. There's four breakout sessions happening simultaneously in two chunks of time each day, if that makes sense. We've got podcasts. We have panels. We have fireside chats. We have keynotes. Like everything Nonsec Girl Squad does, right? Like it's not a political event. It's not a partisan event. It, it's a professional development event. Whether you want to come in and, and hear the deputy head of talent acquisition for the agency speak with the head of HR at State and the director of lateral innovation at ODNI, which is our first panel, actually, um, along with somebody from Army to talk about AIM 2.0, which is a whole other conversation. Mm. You know, if you want to come for that and stay because you're going to interview with Guidehouse and then meet with the stylist at MM Lafleur and get a mini facial and grab lunch and go, great. If you want to come for the whole day and bring your kid because all of our events are child welcoming and we offer child care as well, do that too. If you want to come and go, also fine. I live in D.C. I work in D.C. I see all of these other events and many of them are wonderful, but I also know that like it's an enormous amount of time to leave work for. We want to make it worthwhile, not just for the individual, but for their employer as well. No, and I love it too, because I think most conferences, and I mean, I, and I love it, but it's a fire hose of information, but I feel like this is a pretty holistic conference. I mean, just what you mentioned there, that's kind of like a dream conference, quite frankly. <laughs> well, um, we also could, have a CrossFit could, class and yoga. I, I saw the CrossFit everything. yoga. <laughs> I think everybody in my office wanted to go when they saw the CrossFit. Good, yoga. they should all come. <laughs> like, oh, come on. One last question at the end. So NASA Girl Squad. So just as just from me to you, so as someone who's been who's produced content, over 7,000 articles published on the Clearance Job site, we've posted a lot. We have a diverse you know group of contributors. I'm a huge fan of thought diversity. I love argumentative conversations and things like that. So we sometimes post things. We got flamed once for posting something about the women attending Ranger School that had girl in the headline, and I still am <laughs> I traumatized by the the girl thing and so ever since then i am very like as an editor you know i want people to have a voice but i'm very hesitant to publish something that refers to women in national security with girl because i got hate mail when we did yeah. that so i just had to ask you so nasa girl squad like what How made you <laughs> latch on to the what made you latch on to the girl i mean I, it's catchier than the natsec woman squad so i i mean i get yeah. it from like a just a catchiness thing um but i also you know so what what is the thought process there? Like, are you because would you be offended if someone referred to you, you know, as a girl in national security versus a woman in national security? How do you how do you deal with all that? That's that's my that's my last. I think that's a great question. And it's a question we get a lot. And it's something I'm, I'm always willing and happy to talk about. The first thing I'll say is that NATSEC Girl Squad is really all about everybody deciding what works best for them, right? What What is comfortable for me might not be comfortable for somebody else, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be. We have a responsibility to one another to respect that about one another, right? We know that the NATSEC Girl Squad name might not be everyone's cup of tea. That's okay. And we respect and defend their right to feel that way, and we hope that they would also respect and defend our right to be called what we're called. So I think that the name of Not That Girl Squad, it, it was something that the community named itself. I think that there's certainly a generational, for lack of a better word, aspect to it. The girl is a term of endearment among friends of women of a, of a certain age, right? Like I'm a millennial. It's like calling your friend or your girl is like a thing that we do. It was really more about creating a sense of community and belonging and shared responsibility to one another and saying like, 
hey, I trust you. You have my back. I have your back. Things like that. And to that point, you know, you asked, like, how would I feel about someone calling me a girl in national security, a woman in national security? People call me a lot of things in national security. Those neither of those would be the worst two options. I say, frankly, like, cool fine. But at the end of the day, context matters. And there's a way to use the word girl that is uplifting and affirming and in support of somebody. And there's a way to use it that's condescending. And I think that's true of a number of words. Girl is not the only one. When people ask this of me and of other people in our community, I just say like context matters. And it's okay if if the name Natsa Girl Squad doesn't kind of like jive with you, but you're, you like all the other stuff we're doing and you just can't bring yourself to say Natsa Girl Squad, then just call it NSGS or call it whatever you want. We know who we are. We know what we mean by it. And we're not trying to bring anybody else down. And we hope that others feel the same about us. Like I said, girl, you can call me a girl or a woman. Neither of those are the worst or anywhere near the worst things people have said about me, particularly on the internet. And so I'm happy to hear them both. Awesome. No, I love, I, I mean, I love that. And I love that as a, as a point to yeah. end as well, just thinking about like why people who maybe haven't heard of you before would want to get engaged is that you just, you're bringing a lot of thoughts to the table. And again, whether you agree or disagree, I don't think anyone would say that opening that conversation and being open to diverse opinions. I mean, again, you don't walk into an organization that doesn't talk about how important diversity is or thought diversity, and you can't get there without having conversations about it. Um, and again, so a, the survey is a great way for folks to get engaged. Yeah. Definitely check out the conference is a great way. Again, your speakers lineup speaks for itself. Um, so you. I'm just, you know, encouraging our community to touch base and really appreciate your time chatting with me today. Was there anything else I didn't ask you about that you think people should know about Not Set Girl Squad? I think that pretty much covers it. My contact information, our team's contact information is on our website, notsetgirlsquad.com. If you want to learn more about the conference, it's nsgscon2019.com. Reach out to us. Like, we want to be useful. We know there are other people that care about this, too. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm thrilled to have Parents Jobs support for this year. And I'm really excited. This is Lindy Kaiser, Senior Editor of ClearanceJobs.com. Thank you again for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more security clearance news and defense industry information, please visit news.clearancejobs.com.